IT certifications. Do you have one? Should you get one? Which certs should you pursue? How much of your life should you turn over to certification study? Join us today for a rousing discussion of the value of certifications on Network Collective. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to mention today's sponsors. Sponsoring today's episode is Viavi Solutions. Viavi's observer platform helps you better understand what's happening on your network by focusing not on a bunch of random KPIs, but combining KPI data with end-user experience validation to give you an accurate and robust view of end-user network performance. Also sponsoring today's episode is Path Solutions. Want to make network glitches disappear? Path Solutions Total View makes root cause network troubleshooting easy. You'll hear more about each of these great sponsors later on in the show. So today we are joined by Tom Hollingsworth and Jed Casey, and I'm sure that this conversation is going to get lively. So to kick us off, why should anyone go through the effort of getting an IT certification? All right. I'm going to jump in here. Um, Everyone knows that I have a CCIE. And I used to have a wall behind me with all kinds of certifications. But today I'm going to play the role of uh, Advocati Diabolus, the devil's advocate. You don't need to get a certification. Yeah, you, you don't need a piece of paper to prove that you know things. You, you know them. You no, learn them. That's a pretty dramatic difference than saying there's no value to it, though. So let I don't me ask think you, there really is. You don't, you don't think there's any value. You don't need, you don't need to get certifications at all. No, I was no smarter the day before I passed my CCIE than the, the day I was after I passed my CCIE. Now, the learning process going forward, I learned a lot there. That made me smarter. But that little tiny piece of paper, it, it did, what definitely wasn't worth what I spent on it. I don't think that there's any real value. The smartest network engineers I've ever met in my entire life didn't have certifications. They were stupid smart. Thinking electrical engineer, aside from Thanks, their four-year degree, really cares. <laughs> <laughs> I think just, I'm I think doing the math here. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you just called us all dumb. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of us have certifications. But in such well, a lot of all expired. So maybe I've gotten smarter since they maybe expired. <laughs> and one has literally helped create them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, he didn't say it was he didn't say it wasn't necessary to create them he just said it wasn't necessary to oh so you get you get the exemption exemption from from the dumbness because you, you <laughs> help create the system that doesn't validate anything at all uh, so, it's gonna be it's gonna so be russ let's let's dive into that for just a second because it's actually a good point you've developed certifications you've spent months years of your life trying to figure out how to objectively test knowledge right yep seven years for the ccde alone how hard is that? How hard is it to objectively find out if someone oh, knows how boy. to do something, especially if it's a subjective subject matter? Oh, boy. Yes. So we were told when we started the CCDE that you couldn't measure design. But I don't know that I completely agree with that. I think it's difficult, but I do think it is an extremely hard thing to objectively measure knowledge of this kind of, of anything beyond what does the EBIT of Type 5 do? Um, that's one of my favorite CCA written questions, by the way, <laughs> what is the EBIT doing a type five? <clears throat> anyway, I do think it's hard to write certifications that are objective. In fact, when we did the CCDE, we had 
uh, not just one psychometrician, but three or four psychometricians working with us every month. And they spent seven years with us developing that certification because it was so extremely difficult to write. So I guess your point might be here. It's hard to write certifications well. Is that the key that you're trying to get to is that it's really hard to write them well. So you don't necessarily think they're good in general. And I'm, I'm just trying to get the connection so that I understand it. No, you're, you're right. It's very difficult to write a, a certification test that objectively can, can determine what someone's level of knowledge is. Now let's take another job, for example, something like electrician or plumber. They don't have to pass certification tests, but they do have to spend a lot of time on the job. Well, it depends on where you're from. And when they go from apprentice to journeyman. And... Oh? Yeah, there are some places that do require um, some sort of a test. I think in some countries they do require some sort of a test, kind of like going before a legal, like a law board or something like this, but not quite that crazy. Um, there are, of course, in the U.S. Now, this is this may be just shows your point a little bit. There are actually certifications for people who cut your hair. So maybe we've gone a little bit overboard on the certification world. Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, how do you know that somebody is qualified to do what you're hiring them to do? And especially in the world of networking, we know, I think we all know, that a lot of times the people that are hiring network engineers don't know how to be a network engineer. They don't have any idea what that skill set is. They don't understand at all. And so they need some way to figure out if someone is reasonably qualified. And I think certifications can be a, a data point there, but I don't think they tell the whole story. Um, my, my approach to certifications was always, um, I, I, the, the, the first ones I got were all about, I worked at a VAR and they needed it. And so I got it. Now, did I learn some in that process? Absolutely. Um, I think, um, but there's more value, more value. No, I'm not going to say more value there, but there is tremendous value too in on the job training and, and the journeyman model. I think there's a ton of value there. I think that's one of the things that's uh, commonly overlooked, especially when um, uh, we discuss people, that are more experienced, uh, especially, you know, people who have been in the industry, let's say, you know, 10 years or longer. Sometimes uh, people forget about uh, the, the beginning stages. And a lot of times I think certifications, especially in the beginning, are very much uh, circumstantial, meaning uh, for a lot of people, um, they, they don't really have the experience yet. They, they don't really have a lot of uh, industry connections, things like that. That's where I think having a certification can potentially give you, you know, a foot in the door. You, you still have to prove yourself over time with certification. I mean, with, uh, with experience, but having the, the initial certifications can help you move in that path, I believe. Yeah. So I think, I think this is actually something that we run into a good bit is what Yvonne is talking about here. And what you're talking about, Jed, is that, that we have a lot of hiring managers, not really just hiring managers, but HR people. I don't want to beat up on HR people. They, you know, they have their job to do and it's like anybody else. They have a certain amount of time to learn stuff and they have a job to do while they're trying to do the learning bits and everything else. And so do they have time to go out and actually build a good 
way of understanding how to hire network engineers. I mean, I've been in interviews with an HR person where it was clear they didn't have any idea what they were interviewing for. And so the certification kind of in that situation stands in as a proxy. It's a third party trust. It's a transitive trust situation. I trust Cisco or Juniper or Arista or Huawei or take your pick. It doesn't matter who you're going to pick to say, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. So if I can interject here. So if we're using certifications as a yardstick to determine whether or not candidates are qualified for positions, why do we do technical interviews? I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, Tom. And when Yvonne said that earlier, is like, how, how do you know someone's qualified for a job? Well, it's that they could do the job. It, it, the certification isn't what makes you qualified for the job. It's the fact that you have the knowledge and skills to complete the tasks as required. A certification is some level of hopeful validation for that. But I think that we all know, you know, sitting around this virtual table here, that it's not really a great one at doing that. It does tell us some things. Um, but ultimately, and I've heard this said, you know, time and time again, that a certification proved that you pass a test on one day. Like, that, that's what it proves. Like, you, you had the knowledge to pass that specific test that specific day. So we, we've mentioned a lot about expert certifications, and I think that it's probably going to be the crux of the show just because, well, we all kind of lean that way, and that's, that's kind of the space that we're in. I don't want to focus there the whole time. But when we talk about something like the CCIE, there is like this um, – for those hiring managers that we're talking about, there's like this this expectation that if you have a CCIE, you know everything. Yeah, and the that's reality a, is, is I know everything that was on the test the day I passed my lab. Well, that's that that's right, I, and, and, and that's, that's what I do years ago. Yeah, Maybe I don't even know all that today because I could have forgotten some of it. And that's actually a major problem with certifications from a perception perspective. That when we were doing the CCDE, it was pounded into our heads by the psychometricians, the psychos, as we like to call them, the psychos, because we were friendly name for them. Yes, we, we weren't the psychos they were it was nice to be in a room where i wasn't considered the psycho just, not many of those these days huh? <laughs> just for once <laughs> <laughs> so um it was pounded into our head on a constant basis that we were trying to to assert or to show that someone was a minimally qualified candidate not that they were experts, not that they were whatever else. You take a job description, you take a set of skills, and you say this person is minimally qualified against those. Minimally being the key word to remember. And I think part of the problem with certifications is that we overhype them. We make them into something they're not. We want to make them into uh, – and, and, and maybe this comes from the early days of certifications. I mean, when I got, when I got my CCIE – I actually got a leather bomber jacket with a big CCIE logo on the back, the old one, of course. I'm showing my age here. And Did my it say name got on there? Yeah. No, my name you was, that early? <laughs> was embroidered <laughs> on the front of the jacket. I mean, with my CCIE number. That's like insanity old. But nonetheless, I mean, I think we do we 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 overplay certifications sometimes. Um, and so that that is one area where I think we have a major problem with these things. And I, th I think for the top level certifications in particular, I think part of that perception problem comes from the fact that expert is part of the certification title. So that gives people unrealistic expectations. I'm also going to point out and just an observation for me that, you know, here I am part of a, a group that's going to fit this criteria completely. That every time I hear someone talk about how certifications fall short, um, it's either a group of people who've done that certification, have had it at some point in their lives, uh, or it is uh, someone who is an expert level 
has set a career for themselves and clearly has their own reputation. Because I think that, that <laughs> I don't think that anybody starts in this when they're looking to validate their skills, right? Like, so you start off at entry level and you say, how do I prove to somebody that I can do this job? A certification is a fantastic tool for that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't prove what a lot of people say that it proves, but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And so when you're talking about the CCNA and when you're talking about the CCNP or tests at that level, like those things, I think actually have more value to the end user who receives them in validating their skills earlier in their career than something like an expert certification does, which I think kind of like reverses the paradigm a little bit because everyone thinks, ooh, the expert certification is the one that proves a lot because you, you, you have to know a lot. Where like a CCNA, like someone who started off in their career who hasn't touched networking gear a lot, uh, they're not going to have people around them to validate the fact that they're experienced on networking gear. They need something. It's a piece of paper. It's something to start the path. Once you get to the point where uh, many of us who are on this call are like, we all have our reputations that go before us. We either know what we're doing or we don't like, like that's great. We have a bunch of people who can validate whether or not we do what we do because we've done it for enough years. Not everyone starts with that. And I find it's the people who are on the back end. It's the people who have that are the ones who say that certifications are the least valuable. And so I think perspective is everything. I think for us, that's true. But I mean, certifications had a significant impact on my career in moving it forward because I started there. I wanted to be in networking and no one would give me a chance in networking. So I went out and got some certifications. Yeah, my experience was, was very similar. Um, and in fact, that's that's what motivated me to start my blog uh, years and years ago was because um, I wanted to have you know the personal record of that so that I'd I didn't want to be one of the people that I felt lose touch with that over the years, you know, forget where you come from. <laughs> okay. So what if, what if I told you that there are certification tests that are easily guessable and they're given to give someone a piece of paper to make them feel better about themselves when in fact um, it's essentially product knowledge. Um, it's, it's something that you should have read and said that you knew and it's wallpaper for somebody's office because I know that those exist. They're below the, what we would consider the associate level, but they, people, people want to have the picture of the thing behind them. Yes. I am a, you know, a FUBAR certified storage associate or something. When you look at the test, it's 30 questions about one product. I, yeah, I have a few, I, have a few of those. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't put them on my resume or anything though, but I do because my, my company needs them, but I've got a few of them, right? Like I've taken tests that have absolutely no bearing on my career whatsoever. They're completely product tests. Yes. You're absolutely right. Those things test, those things exist. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And along those lines, that's why I, I believe that over time, the, the certifications that remain the most popular in the industry are the ones that they may be vendor sponsored, but I think the vast majority of their content will be vendor neutral or at least, you know, easily applied to general networking. Man, that's a tough one. I mean, so a, a vendor yeah, neutral certification, I mean, like Russ, you could, Russ could speak to this because I know that that's kind of been like a dream of his for quite some time yeah. uh, or, or someone who creates one that isn't necessarily tied to, you know, yeah. a hardware vendor. The, the problem is the motivations. Like well, I mean, right. certifications don't really make a lot of money. Like e even though a lot of us take tests and do all those things, they don't make a lot of money. So someone independently doing this, like it makes no sense. 
you're not you're not going to become rich as a business by 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 making a certification process and validating people's skills. It's just not no, gonna... no, no. You, it's it's a break even proposition at absolutely at best. best, and that's even with the volunteers doing a lot of the work that aren't getting paid, right? So that is just a given. Um, so typically, what happens with a vendor certification, vendor based certification, is um, and this is not right. Or wrong, or it's just, I mean, I'm just, this is just the way it is. I don't want to like beat up anybody. I I hope nobody ever takes anything I say that I'm beating up on a certification or a particular certification or anything. Um, It's just economic reality. You've got to have an ORI someplace as a certification developer. So how do you do that? So what you typically do is you are going to pull in product in order to get people into your vendor ecosystem and that's where the certification is going to pull into things now there are cases where we have tried to develop certifications that are not like that the ccde and specifically the seven us seven of us who did it um when marketing came and said we want to add this product to this certification we all said we're quitting we're not going to finish building the certification um so you know how long will that last over the years as the original crew backs out and does other things? I don't know, but it, it, it's, it is an issue that it tends to be as much about vendor ecosystem in many cases as it is about knowledge set. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not even just a blatant, I mean, because there are some exams, I'm definitely not going to point to them, that are completely vendor product exams. Um, even at the tiers that we're talking about where Tom had mentioned that there's certs that exist solely for the purpose of, of, of product, uh, even in uh, associate and professional level certifications in major tracks, there are certs that are highly dependent upon, you know, what version of this product is best in this situation, which is garbage. I mean, it's important things to know, but it's not proving technical skills, right? It's just proving, you know, I can, I can position it the way that the company wants me to position it. Um, so, I mean, like, <clears throat> that's true. And, but at the same time, a lot of the certs that we're talking about don't have that. There are some certs that are very, very good, even though they're from a vendor that drive a lot of technical knowledge. So the CCIE gets a lot of flack for this. I hear this commonly that the CCIE is a, is a you know, is a test that's, you know, meant to push you towards Cisco. And yes, I'm not going to argue with that at its basis because Cisco wants you to take that knowledge. When you think about it, Cisco is validating that you know how to deploy their stuff because that certification isn't actually for you. It's for the hiring manager. The hiring manager knows that if we run a Cisco network, if I get someone who is Cisco certified at an expert level, they'll be able to run Cisco equipment at an expert level. But the reality is, is that that exam, that knowledge is so transferable. If you look at the blueprint, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and take a look. But when I took it, it was like 90, 95% was completely independent. There were just protocols that were there. You had a few very specific protocols that existed only on Cisco equipment, but the rest of it was incredibly transferable. You learn about multicast, you learn about writing protocols, you learn about whatever. Those things exist well, on every piece of network here ever. We're going back to the origins of the CCA, since yes, I am that old. You are, yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, the CCA originally was designed to test troubleshooting skills, and it was primarily a gateway into the TAC and or a TAC pushed sort of, I mean, the CCA came out of TAC. Um, because what we were trying to do in the TAC at that time was to validate that certain people calling the TAC had already done the, the basic troubleshooting stuff. We could count on that stuff being done. 
and that they would have a clue when we sat down and talked to them about how to troubleshoot something. So that was originally the, the entire goal of the CCA was not to do, oh, I'm going to prove that you're a Cisco expert. It was, I am going to validate your set of skills such that I know that I can trust that I can talk to you on the phone from TAC. That's literally where it started. Now, of course, it got taken over and other things have happened since then. But I think a lot of that is still extant in the CCIE as we see it today. And I, I think that that's one of the things that's uh, most important about uh, most certifications is that, you know, whether you get the uh, trophy at the end or not, it still provides an important framework for learning because a lot of times, especially within, you know, networking in general, there, there's a lot of topics and there's a lot of different ways that you can specialize and um, sometimes you don't know which direction to go. And having that framework helps using the, the CCIE, for example, that the routing and switching in particular, um, you know, by studying for, for that, for instance, you, you uh, deep dive into, say, you know, MPLS layer three VPNs. I can take that knowledge, even though I learned it from, you know, Cisco syntax, I can take that knowledge and directly apply it to another vendor. You know, I, I could stand up a, a micro tick uh, MPLS network if I wanted to, for instance. Right. I mean, that's true. But I mean, like, you know, to play the devil, devil's advocate role, you don't need a cert to do that. I, you know, like you can deep dive, learn MPLS layer three VPNs. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is a good framework. And in fact, uh, many times I won't even like, I had no interest in the cert whatsoever. I'll go look at the blueprint <laughs> just to see the topics that I have no idea what they're saying on the blueprint and go figure out what those things are. So right. that's, framework, that's kind of what I'm saying. And yeah, it's it's sort of like a, like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't know about it. So you don't know, you know, until you know, right. And we've seen this recently. I mean, how many, how many cloud VCDXs are there? Uh, public cloud VCDXs. Uh, I'm guessing zero because there's no such certification. How many SDN CCIEs or SD WAN CCIEs are there? Uh, again, I'm guessing zero because that certification doesn't exist. Does that mean that no one can deploy SD-WAN? That no one can go to the public cloud? Or does it mean that there's no yardstick for measuring a technology so new? I mean, I can remember when 1PK was announced by Cisco and literally the next week, people were asking, where's the 1PK track for the CCIE? Because they didn't, they didn't wanna have anybody installing it who didn't have those four letters and five numbers after their name. Yeah, that that is a perception issue as well to me. And and that's also a certification construction issue, but that's like almost outside the scope of the show. So I don't necessarily want to dive into certification so actually, construction in that so, area. So, but that brings up a good point. When's the last time we all went to the doctor's office? Probably recently, right? Let me ask you a question. Who did most of the work in the doctor's office? Was it the person oh, it who has the, the thing on the wall that says doctor? <laughs> It was probably someone who's been to a little bit of medical school, and in some cases, a lot of medical school, but didn't pay what a doctor has to pay to graduate. Or if you know someone who's a physician's assistant, they're basically a doctor. You know why they're not a doctor? Because they didn't pass the doctor test. You know what they can do? They can still be a kind of doctor. 
Well, it's it's interesting because I'm I'm kind of an outlier in this conversation because I'm I think I'm the only person here that hasn't pursued that expert level certification, um, and and for me there was a really specific reason for that, um, and it was that I never wanted to go that deep, and I felt like in the organizations that I was in. Um, you know, CCNA, CCNP level knowledge um, and my uh, knowledge inside the organization and the value that I brought um, was sufficient. And, and that's a completely valid choice. I think you have to decide where you want to go and then that's going to be a, a bigger deal, those certifications. But uh, you, you kind of got to figure out where you want to go and what the value is to you. And the trade-off was never there for me. Um, and I don't mind saying that. It, it, was a, it was a decision I made. And I, and I don't really regret not trading a year and a half of life and study um, to get a expert level certification. I think, I think this, just like a degree and like anything else, you, you have to do the ROI on it. Right. So, so when we talk about the value, I think that's the reason why this is just like that hot button issue. I mean, I put something out on Twitter because uh, we were talking about recording this. And I don't think I've had that many Twitter mentions over the course of two days in a very, very long time. And I didn't I didn't even frame it in any particular way that was like controversial. I was just asking for somebody with a particular opinion. And and like literally like I had to shut down my notifications on Twitter for a couple of days because it just got to be too much. And I think the reason why is because you either have made that decision and found value in it and then you want to defend that. Right. So the whole suck cost thing, the idea is I've gone in, I've done it, I've put in the effort and that thing was valuable because I put in a lot of time or maybe because it was actually valuable and you can defend that position. Then you have the other side of it and it's the people who've made the, or who've made the decision not to pursue it. They've done the calculus. They said, you know what, the ROI is not worth it. I think it's a waste of time. Well, now you just, you know, irritated the person on the other side who thought otherwise. Right. But all of our life situations are different. It does take, you know, when we talk about the expert level specifically, it takes a significant level of personal sacrifice to get those numbers. Right. Uh, it, it's not for everybody and you have to do the ROI. For me, it was absolutely worth it. So if you're if you're curious, if it hasn't been clear on this, I don't regret doing my CCIE at all. Put myself back in that same situation at that time. I would do it again. Would I do another one? I have no interest, right? <laughs> like I just, I, I don't need to, right? Because the ROI is not there. For some people that's there. I'm sure there's people. I know people with eight of them, right? I'm sure they would look at me and say, you're crazy. Like you're giving up, it's quitting or whatever, because to them, they see the value in doing that. And I hope that they get that. But for me, I don't see the value in having that many uh, certifications for me personally. So a lot of it's like this personal equation about, am I going to get value out of this, which I think is why this show is important, because I think you need to see all sides of it. You need to understand that it's not a panacea, like it's not proof of anything. It's like you said, like Russ said earlier, it's the minimum qualification for the job, assuming you got it legitimately, <laughs> right? And it was the day you took it, which those skills start diminishing over time. So there's like a lot of components to it. It's a minimally qualified set based on what a group of experts of People who are accepted as experts in the field believe you should know in order to say that you have a particular skill set. 
All right, guys. I think this is a great spot. Why don't we take a second here? Uh, and we want to tell you about today's sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment. For those of you who run and manage networks day to day, what's the number one challenge you have in resolving issues? When IDG asked this question in their state of the network survey, over half of respondents said that finding root causes was the biggest hurdle when it came to problem resolution. This tells me that we simply don't have the right data available to us to solve the problems we're facing, and today's sponsor is trying to fix that. Viavi Solutions believes that troubleshooting needs a new approach, and that the best way to do this is to focus on the end-user perspective. Information is key, but reliable and actionable information is what really matters. One of the problems with many of the standard KPIs checked on today's network is that they're unreliable. Green doesn't necessarily mean that things are all good, and red doesn't mean that things are all bad. The one thing that we can't argue with is how an application is performing where it matters, at the end-user's machine. And Viavi is correlating this user experience data with the things we typically keep an eye on to give you reliable and actionable information that helps you solve issues faster and with more confidence. You should take a minute to check out the Observer Live platform at viavisolutions.com slash network collective. Consider a new approach to network monitoring within user experience scoring and synthetic testing that heads off problems before they start. Viavi is offering our listeners some nice resources at that website I just listed. First, you can get your hands on a trial version of Observer Live and give it a test ride for yourself and see firsthand the valuable insights it will give you in managing your network. Viavi is also offering a free enterprise protocols poster, which is a visual guide to the protocols we use every day and their relationships across the layers of the OSI model. Finally, they're giving you an opportunity to win one of several network collective community memberships. If you haven't made the jump into our community membership platform yet, this is a great opportunity to get access to all of the valuable membership features at no cost to yourself. Again, the site you want to go visit is viavisolutions.com slash network collective. Also sponsoring today's episode is Path Solutions. Everybody loves a good mystery, except for when it's a problem in your network. We all run networks that are incredibly smart. Each switch or router contains an amazing amount of information about the network's health and operations. Sadly, most network monitoring packages only go skin deep with understanding all that stuff that's happening, maybe pinging some devices or querying some usage data from a few select interfaces. This means that every time the network glitches, you're left in the dark and have to manually log into two devices to assemble clues and to find out what happened. What's worse is if the problem is not happening when you're looking, chances are you're not going to find it at all. Anytime you have to tell a user that you don't know what caused the problem, it means you don't have enough visibility into your network. You're being held responsible for the entire network, shouldn't you also have visibility to match? If you knew everything your switchers and routers knew, you could solve problems before users even knew that there was a problem to begin with. Path Solutions Total View is designed to automatically dig deep into network devices to learn what they know about your network's performance. 19 error counters, QoS statistics, configuration, and performance information is collected from every interface across the entire infrastructure. This means that TotalView knows about any dropped, buffered, or mishandled packet anywhere in the network at any point in time. With their plain English network prescription engine and their path mapping capabilities, they can tell you exactly where and why a problem occurred, so resolution is both quick and easy. An example report might be, the VoIP call was dropped at 2.37 p.m. because the Finance 2 switch interface number 12 dropped 12% of its packets due to a cabling fault. This means your network is no longer full of mysteries because you know everything your network knows. Try TotalView on your network and it will show you five things about your network that you didn't previously know. 
visit www.pathsolutions.com and they will show you how total network visibility will solve the mysteries in your network. So, uh, so yeah, so, so Tom, you've been kind of, uh, I guess I, we've all kind of picked on certifications a little bit. So I thought you were going to be more the devil's advocate on the show, but apparently we're all going to play that role just a little bit, but you have been the most vocal. Uh, so, so let's, let's stop picking and let's start talking about, you know, how could it be better? If we were to look at certifications today, you know, we say they're deficient. Is there a way to fix this or is this just like a, a problem that's not solvable? So I think the problem in a nutshell is that so many people see the certification as the end of their path. If I get this CCNA, if I get the CCIE, if I get whatever, then I'm done. I don't have to learn anymore. And that's not useful for anybody. If there was a way for us to have a certification path forward that says you've you've earned this step along the way, but moving forward, there's still more for you to learn. There's still more for you to do. That increases the value for everyone and increases the value for the person seeking certification because they know they need to learn more. It increases the value for the job holder who's looking for candidates because they know that, as Russ said, this is the minimally qualified person, knowing that there is still upside there. And overall, IT wins because we still keep learning things. Yeah. So I would agree with you, Tom. I mean, to me, part of the problem is, is like you said, we see it as the end of the career rather than beginning. Um, And part of that is because we do place the certifications. To me, they're very narrow. The CCIE is all about troubleshooting. The CCA, CCDE is all about design. And that is and that is possibly just an accident of history. But I would like to see some way to change that so that certifications are more broad-based and more point-oriented. Um, there are some places in the world, not not all, where you can go in with a PhD or a master's degree and they, they don't ask you what your GPA was. They ask you what courses you took because they want to know specifically what it is, you know, the PhD is good. The master's degree is, is a, the masters of the PhD as the case might be, are they open the door. They are, they are the way to open the doorknob and have someone look at your resume and understand that you are serious, but you do not make it into the position unless you have specific skills and you can prove those specific skills. So there's got to be some way, I think, to redo some of the way certifications are done. Because part of the, by the way, Jordan, this goes back to your comment about people having eight CCIEs. Why do they do that? I mean, there's an ROI, but what is the ROI for somebody getting eight CCIEs? Just anybody have any like thoughts on why that would be? I, I have some thoughts and I don't, I don't know anybody personally with eight CCIEs. And so this is not a dig at anybody in any individual. Um, but, but sometimes people get a certain set of just personal satisfaction out of being the absolute best. And they believe that that, that list of certifications makes them the absolute best. Um, one of the things that I will say is that um Early on in my career, when the MCSE was still rather new, I knew so many people that had that certification that could not troubleshoot their way out of a wet paper bag. And it and it really colored my view of certifications um, because it's like these guys have these letters after their name and they really don't have any idea what they're doing. So, I, you know, I, I think there's a there's a le- and not only that, they were full of themselves. So I think, you know, there are times there's a level of hubris, too, that's associated with it. Um, that technical people are maybe more susceptible to that we just as an industry have to watch out for. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, There's an interesting I, point here. And I, I, have a, go ahead, I have a story about that specifically, Yvonne. Um, it was right after I passed my CCIE. I was uh, working at a reseller and I was bidding against a project with a CCIE who lived in Arkansas. And I looked through the bill of materials and I said, well, these two part numbers are wrong because they don't need these. And the response that we got back from the client was, well, this guy says we do, and he's a CCIE, so he's right. And my response back to the client was, well, I'm a CCIE too, so can we drop the crap and talk about the technology and not the certification? Yeah, um, so the point I wanted to point out is, you know, both Tom and Russ, you both kind of pointed out the fact that, like, there's some belief that the certification is the end. Uh, like that, that, that's the end of the, but here's the thing I'm sitting here with a group of engineers who don't believe that, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I, cause I know each of you and I know that you all don't believe that. And the people in my circle don't believe that, but I do know that that exists. So I don't know how pervasive this is. And maybe, maybe, maybe we're harder on it because we know the limitations because we have chosen to continue to learn beyond them. Right. Like, and, and I, I'm with you because as someone, I, and I've actually, I've had this pulled too, Tom, where like, you know, you should believe me. I'm a CCIE not knowing that, Oh, by the way, yes, I didn't cross the table. Yeah, I am too. I just don't wear that on my, you know, on my shirt because I'm like Russ, I didn't get a cool jacket to tell everybody how cool I was. And my CCIE. <laughs> which, which, I still, which I don't have anymore, by the way. But, I have no idea where that jacket is, but you know, we like so, put that in the museum. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the network so, collective. I guess, I guess my point is that as a, as a, you know, as a group, like the, I, at least I, the people that I associate with who have expert level certifications, pursued expert, or even those who haven't, CCNP, CCNA, or those level of certifications, if you continue learning, like that's part of the people I want to associate myself with. And so like, I know there's a whole section of the world that does this, but yet it's that group, the one who does do that, that points out all the deficiencies in certifications. And so I'm just noticing that, you know, like, I agree with you, but I don't know that it's everybody because I look and I say, well, I don't know. I know a lot of people who, who won't even bring up the CCIE unless they have to. Yeah. Because well, it comes with more baggage than what it's worth more often than not. And they continue to learn and they continue to, to, to develop into things that, you know, Tom said, and we have, you know, SDY right. experts and SDN experts who are CCIEs, but that's not, that's not. Well, and that's good. right. And this is part of the problem I was bringing up before, right? But one of the reasons I know people who have gotten multiple certifications, multiple CCIEs or whatever, is because they're trying to show that they have a broader skill set. Sure. And it seems to me, that if a certification were built correctly, you could prove that without going and getting another certification. That would seem to be something that certification should be better built to do this type of thing. Um, so that's that to me is one point that could be fixed. Another thing I'll say is that, yeah, I have been hankering for a long time to figure out how to give the certifications back to the community in some way and not make it so vendor driven, but you know, that's, that's, that's hard. Um, but you know, that, that's a difficult one. It's an economics question. It's an economics question. And if you can't solve the economics problem, you need someone who's altruistic, who's just going to give all their time and for no return. Worse. And that's just, just unlikely. Yeah. And it's even so. worse than that because it's, there are people who sue people who sue vendors because they failed a certification. And the legal defensibility bit is plays a huge role in the development of certifications, much larger than people think. It's, it's way outsized in when you're developing an exam. How am I going to defend myself 
or how is the company going to defend itself against somebody who fails a certification and sues? Well, but here's the thing. Why, why are they suing? I mean, so let me, let me give you an example, Russ, because my background in this is from a reseller perspective. And yes, there were times that RFPs were written that you must have a CCIE on staff. If you didn't have a CCI on staff, you didn't bid. Or in some cases, and nobody nobody tell anybody this, we, we, we may have rented one for six months and just said, hey, he works for us, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I mean, when the, if the company had found that out that we were working for, yeah, they would have sued in a heartbeat. Why is that such a big deal? Well, the reason people sued over it most of the time, from a vendor perspective when I was developing these things, is that they were promised a pay raise, a promotion, something else, whatever it is. And then they go take the exam and they fail. And their boss says, see, you're not that good. You don't get the promotion. Not only do you not get the promotion, but you're going to get fired now because you're not any good. And so this again is a lack, a, a bad part of perception around certifications. It can be much more realistic, but this is one of those reasons that people sue. So then all of a sudden you're sitting in a courtroom going, well, I've got to show that my questions that were written are valid and that they are psychometrically sound and that they are statistically sound. And this is a huge stinking mess. It's a hard problem. Man, that put a damper on it. I mean, that's just not <laughs> something I ever would have even considered. Is let me sue the vendor because I failed their test. It's, it's, that is not a mindset that exists uh, within my range of thinking. But, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but how many... How many times have we heard people say that this test isn't fair because it tested me on something that I didn't study or it tested me on something that I'll never use? I mean, I, hell, the CCIE is literally composed of you will never see this in reality, but you are. it's designed in such a way as to test people's ability to think outside the box. And I think that that's one of those things that any certification exam teaches the entry level things have very cut and dried answers. You know, A is A, sky equals blue. And then by the time you get to the high end, they're designed to test esoteric things. Do this, but don't do it this way. Design, well, but do it in such a way as it meets yeah. these, these uh, restrictions so you can't get too creative. Well, I think that's also part of the problem, the part of the perception problem, especially with expert level certifications, is that most of the time they don't reflect the real world. And um, that, that's why I think certifications really need to be more of a, you know, a personal journey. It's, it's, you know, what you want to get out of it sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, another thing I'll say is that when you, from a developing, from a development perspective, when you're writing a certification, you have a problem where you have to replace your questions X, every X months because they get dumped. Honestly, they just get dumped. I got a I got a LinkedIn invitation from somebody the other day that actually said in their profile, like in the company name, so and so, so and so, whatever. We do exam dumps, and I thought that let's <laughs> just be like brazen and upfront about it. Why don't we like what is that? Um, 
So, yeah. So what you have to do is you have to be able to develop, develop a lot of material. So what ends up happening is, is you start the exam with all the best intentions, building the exam with all the best intentions of only doing stuff that you don't consider esoteric. I've seen this happen a lot of times, by the way. So, um, and what ends up happening at the end is you're like, man, I've got to write another hundred questions. That's a really, really great point because it, you know, I've been on this and I know Tom has been as well, where we, you know, where we complain about the quality of a certification exam. So, I mean, there was a few years back where I remember sitting around a table at Cisco live after failing the written, I think for my third time on my first research attempt. So I was like super fresh CCIE. I'd been around for a little while. I should be able to at least do well on this test. And I was getting my, um, just getting absolutely hammered by it because it was just random and not well done and not anywhere near the blueprint. And you know, like those types of things. What's now, the bit on the type five too? Right. And it's completely their prerogative to do that. But then as I thought about it, it's like, you know what, the reason why it is so specific and it is so like, they have to find these little nuances in places like this is because all the regular questions have been dumped. Right. Like <laughs> they're all already out there. Right. And I know I know this is true for uh, CCNA and CCNP. Like I, I know that this is true even more so than the CCIE, where these questions yeah. are, are out there in a massive way, like super easy to find. And and when they when that happens and you have something like an expert level certification, which has so much value associated or implied value associated with it, you have to do your best to try to make it. Not so someone can walk in with the list of questions mm-hmm. that's going to show up on their exam. Yeah. And, and so that, how do you do that? I mean, if you have to write, you know, let's say your pool has to be four or 500 questions to begin with, just so there's some level of rotation on written exams to start. And all of those get dumped within the first six months. How many questions are there really? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the right. I, I think it's ultimately a, a futile thing to, to do because uh, to, to give a personal example, um, you know, there's my, my CCI flashcard deck that I released to the, the public. Which is awesome. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Like you really need to. It's, <laughs> it's, it's got almost 3,500 cards in it. And before I took and passed the CCI written exam, I had all 3,500 of those cards memorized. Mm-hmm. So you know, if somebody is dumping the test, it really doesn't matter how many questions you have uh if you if you get enough repetition well that's the thing right the dumpers will just continue to learn and dump and do that and go through that process and it makes it harder for the people who are trying to do it legitimately like they've got to go through like, this process of so. well and and the problem's made worse because you have a small vendor group trying to defend the exam whereas again if i go back to my point of wanting to give it back to the community if you had a community that self-policed that kind of garbage it might make a difference in the trustability of the exam. I, I don't know. I, I, I like it. I like the idea. It's one of those, like, I really wish it were true. I just don't know if it's actually true. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, I, uh, I, I, I think it's a really hard question. So, I mean, I know that uh, I think it's Aaron Conway who had brought up the idea uh, that the ham radio test is a test that is all the questions are published. Yep, that's like, correct. When I the, get... the questions are not secret. Yep. That's the problem right. is that the pool is so large yep. that there's That's really right. no way for you to memorize. Like if you've memorized every question, you actually are an expert. Well, yeah, I, right? like you can actually execute the things that need to be done because you'll know all the things you need to know. Yeah. And I kind of like that approach because it's. I and when know. I took my tech. Yeah. When I took my tech. Yeah, it was that way. And but it's a little bit different than that on the on the on the ham radio license. Um, when I took my tech, a lot of the questions would show up. Now, remember, this is many, many years ago. I mean, I was literally 
12 years old when I got my amateur radio license. I mean, seriously, guys, this is so many years ago. But I do remember that some of those questions were slightly altered. So I would recognize the question, but they would actually alter it so a different answer was correct. Fantastic. Right. And I'm impressed there were radios when you were 12. <laughs> pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> I, I will say when I took and passed my CISSP for the first time, uh, it was the same way. The que the test itself was like 250 or 300 questions. It took four hours to take. They, if you bought the CISSP certification guide from Sean Harris, that was the test. The problem was it was three and four inches thick. And if you spent all day reading the entire exam book, cover to cover, and you memorized it, you accidentally learned some security stuff. So that whether or not you memorized a brain dump of the test or not, there were so much potential um, knowledge out there that even people who got through it illegitimately still had a bit of a security knowledge side. Now it's changed since then. It's all computer generated and, you know, takes a lot less time now because it's a whole lot easier to administer that way. But, but, you know, when you think of the, those kinds of exams where, you know, literally the entire world is open for potential knowledge. And if you can memorize it all, you're a better person, you know. And that's why I think um, as much as we talk about, um, you know, the importance or lack of uh, importance for certifications, that's where ultimately I think everybody would agree that uh, experience becomes extremely important. Mm -hmm. I mean, back to, back to, you know, how do you know you're qualified for the job? You can actually do the job, right? Like all of these, all of these are stand-ins to hopefully help people understand whether or not you can do the job, but they're, they're not perfect. And so, you know, the, the ultimate validation of your ability to do the job is being able to do the job, <laughs> right? Like certification well, is great, but. There, there are certain things you just can't replicate in the exam process. You know, if you've got a data center that's to its knees because you've got an ARP storm somewhere, um, you know, there's nothing that's going to replicate that situation of, of leadership breathing down your neck and all of the other IT teams going, it's the network, it's the network, and you're sitting there at the keyboard, you know, looking through packet captures and logs and interface statistics, trying to figure out what's where it's coming from and, and how to resolve the issue. I mean, so there's only so far that any level of education can take you without that practical experience. Yeah, we, we need that. We need, uh, we need a CCIE exam where for six hours, someone stands over your shoulder looking at your monitor to replicate the pressure of what happens when the, the data center owner is pissed at you or Don't even better. Ideas, Tom. Yeah. CCIE documentation. We give you the output of a whole bunch of stuff we did on the network and you have to write an email to management that makes them understand what you've been working on for the last three weeks. <laughs> Oh, okay. So before before Tom gives any more ideas for crazy certification <laughs> to pursue, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. But before before we get into you know where people can can find everyone and all that, summer I want everyone to summarize their point. We're just going to kind of go around the horn here, and I want to like just succinct two three lines. Someone's thinking or questioning the value of certifications. What's your take, Russ? Why don't we start with you? Um, I think certifications are a great learning path. I think um, there are problems with certifications as they are currently constituted and they need to change in some way. But I think we can fix them if we just put our heads together and make it happen. All right, Tom, how about yourself? 
I, I kind of concur a little bit with Russ. I think that a certification itself is not useful, but the learning that you do to get there is the part that it makes you better. Don't focus on the paper, focus on the learning. All right, Yvonne? Yeah, um, I will say for folks starting out who are really looking to build a career that especially associate level certifications are incredibly valuable. Um, And I think for those who want to, they want their life's work to be um, elbow deep in technology, then expert level certifications are the right way to go. I don't think that's the only way to go. And Jed? Yep, I completely agree with that. And I think uh, more and more, especially as you get higher up in the, in the levels and experience, that uh, certification needs to become a personal journey. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. Very good. I would, I would echo all those sentiments and I would say that you shouldn't listen to Russ and you shouldn't listen to Tom and you shouldn't listen to Yvonne. You shouldn't listen to Jed. Our opinions are our opinions. Uh, they're based off of experience but the reality is, is that it is all about the return on investment for you and everybody's situation is different. And so just because someone says they are worthless or they are very valuable or whatever, like you need to look at it and say, what am I going to get out of it? Is this a good path for me to learn? Will I learn this way? Will this certification prove some skills for me that it's going to be hard for me to prove otherwise? You know, you, you need to do those calculations for yourself. And if, if they turn out to be worth the effort, go do it. If it's not worth the effort, don't move on, go do the thing that is. Uh, And on that note, uh, why don't we have it so when people get mad and they hear things that they completely disagree with on the show and they want to yell at you on Twitter or something, why don't we uh, let everyone know how they can get a hold of us? Uh, Jed, why don't we start with you? Where can people find you online? All right. uh, You can shoot me out on LinkedIn at uh, Jed Casey, uh, uh, Twitter at uh, Wax underscore Tracks, and my blog at Neckercube.com. All right. Tom? Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter and listen to Ran at Jordan about certifications. That's Networking Nerd. Um, you can read my blog at networkingnerd.net where I occasionally take those things head on and get people mad at me. Um, and then you can also follow me on my day job at techfieldday.com. Uh, we've got a lot of great things coming up where we may even debate this topic a little bit more. All right. Sounds good. Russ, where can people find you? Oh, the Network Collective, Rule11.tech, Routing Geek on Twitter. Um, but in reality, if you're going to fuss about certifications, my name is really Tom. And you need to talk to him. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yvonne. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Yvonne Sharp, and on Twitter at Sharp Network. All right. I'm at BC Jordan on Twitter. Uh, website is jordanmartin.net. Obviously here at Network Collective. If you like this episode, there are many, many more like it. You can find those at thenetworkcollective.com. If you are a you know avid podcast listener, you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to podcasts, whether that's uh, iTunes, Google Play, any of the normal places. Uh, our short takes are done with video as well. So we're on Vimeo. You can check us out there. But the best way to find all the places to find us uh, is at our website, thenetworkcollective.com. If you want to chat with us as a group, uh, we're at Net Collective PC on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're at all those places. Also, if you haven't done it yet, you should go check out the uh, Network Collective community membership. You can go to thenetworkcollective.com slash join. Uh, lots of great benefits there. Lots of great content available to our members only. And uh, so, yeah, so thanks for, thanks for listening and we will see you next time.